0: one time for my voice this morning, <laughs> um, and I'm going to drink a Coke in front of you all, so I hope you forgive me, um, but I, I'm glad I can rely upon my striking good looks up here to distract you. Well, a couple things, <clears throat> and by the way, I'm, I'm negative, so if y'all are like, what's he doing here? I'm negative. We still get colds. okay. I want to take care of this. This is a thank you note that came from the Davis family, and it says, Hilltop Wesleyan Church family, Uh, during a time like this, we learn how much our friends and relatives really mean to us. Your expression of sympathy will always be treasured. The family of Rebecca Eads Davis, thank you for the uh, delicious meal you provided during our time of loss. Your kindness was greatly appreciated. Great woman of God, praise the Lord for her. Well, if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> turn with me to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. I've, I've been waiting for this, actually, ever since we started 1 Corinthians, and it's so funny that my voice is raspy this morning, because I was, I've just been counting it down till we get to get into this section. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is that we gather together and why we gather together. You know... Over the last year and a half, we've seen a lot, haven't we? Um, We've seen a lot. We've We've seen racism. We've seen class warfare. What we've seen is a world where people take and people withhold. Did you know that? This is really what the problem is. And so when we live in that world where people take and people withhold, you're going to have great difficulties. And I'm just one of those guys that believes that we can have a people like the people of God to lead the way, to show the world the way it could be. Um, I was thinking about when I first got saved and, sorry y'all, after I got saved, I remember thinking, I'm not gonna go to church. Um, There was just no way I was gonna do it. What I would seen in my life was that the church was really messed up. And so what I decided to do was that I was going to read the Bible for myself and I was going to take care of my family because I didn't want to get caught up in all the shenanigans that I'd witnessed. I've told you all in the past, um, before my mom was remarried, it was just me and her against the world. That's really the way it was. And so when I was growing up, people would just not talk to us. And these would be people that were Christians. People would see us coming, they would just turn their head. And it was just that kind of a thing. I was a bust-in kid to the children's ministry, And we had a place that we called, uh, the town was Terre Haute. We would go to Terre Haute. And when I would see people, I'd wave, they'd turn their heads. So what it did is it made me realize that I didn't belong with those people. And I always tell you, kids are making their minds up right now what they're gonna do with Jesus Christ. And so what's interesting, my wife said to me, I want you to go to church with me. She wanted me to go to the Wesleyan church with her. And honestly, I'd never heard of the Wesleyan church. It sounded like a cult. I mean, I had no idea. I, I'm, I said, I'm a Christian. I think we should go to the Christian church. I didn't understand that the Wesleyan church was named after John Wesley, one of the uh, of church's greatest evangelists and theologians in history. And so when we got to the church, I decided I'd go. I'd been reading my Bible and I thought, I'm halfway through the Old Testament. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find out how that preacher is wrong. And I'm going to show my wife, this is why we have to go to another church. Well, when I got to that church, he was preaching right about the same area I was in, believe it or not. And I could tell it was the word of God. So fast forward a little bit, I get into ministry. I start feeling called to ministry. And I remember thinking, what are we going to do with church? Why are we gathering together? And I honestly believe that to the extent of my understanding, because I didn't know, was that we were going to get together just so we could count the people who were going to heaven with us. Uh, It was almost like a place where we could keep tally marks and say, these people received Christ, so we just felt good about ourselves. I had no idea that the Lord had so much more in store for me, and you as well. And I kept thinking, okay, when I started to get my own church, I thought, how will we define success? Will we define success by the amount of people who attend our services? If so, how many should it be? And if we don't get that number, does that mean we are failing? And I'll be honest with you, that is something that I've struggled with because we all do it. But God is doing something just a little bit more than what you and I can understand. We gather together for a reason. I suspect this is why so many times we look at church, we say, well, that church offers this, that church teaches this. This is what I agree with. And if I agree with it, I'll go to that church. Or if this church offers this unbelievable ministry. I'll go to this church. When all along, God is trying to put his people where they belong because we gather together and there's a purpose. Now, before I get into the text, what I want to remind you of is that the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, they were slaves, right? That meant that they were the bottom tier of, of society. And those of you who've been to the Bible study, you know that we said that the Egyptians didn't value them. In fact, they were people that you could just throw into the Nile. And so they were worthless to the Egyptians. So they were oppressed. And what God did is he heard them when they cried out to him. And he said, you know what I'm going to do, I'm paraphrasing big time, but I'm going to save this people, and I'm going to take them to a land where we can establish equality. You know, sometimes I think we Christians, we really just basically boil it down to a destination theology where I just want to go to heaven, or I want to avoid hell, when in fact, what God's trying to do is to gather a people together so that they can have a different way of life than the rest of the world. In fact, it would be in contrast to the way of life where we take and withhold from each other. It's a place where justice is going to roll like the river, as Amos would say. And so what we've been doing as we've gone through this in 1 Corinthians, we've been noticing a few things. Stuff like, why not rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ, right? Or there was was a theme in there where it said, you know what, consider others greater than yourself. That's in chapter 10. So in chapter 10, Paul was introducing us to this idea He said, consider everyone better than yourself. In fact, to do this, he said, abstain from meat sacrifice to idols. Remember that? And what he was saying is that the food was going, it it may be something that's rather enjoyable. It might be something that you enjoy eating. But for the sake of someone in your local church, who might be be weak-minded, don't do it for their sake. Remember that? Because we're putting others ahead of ourselves. And so now we're into a place where Paul is trying to teach this Corinthian church that they gather together and there's a legit purpose of what God is trying to do among them. They gather together, not so that they can have cliques, not so that they can have people that they have in different classes, not so that they can have divisions, but they gather together to be united with Jesus and with each other. Now, you and I, we're living in a day where we have church splits. We are living in a day where we have people who stop attending church because they have a problem with someone on the worship team, the pastor, or maybe the person that they find themselves next to every Sunday. And the point that you have to understand is God is trying to develop a new people If we were to look at Ephesians and we were to look in chapter 1 or 2, we'll notice what Paul says. God is trying to create a new humanity. He's trying to create a new people. And you know where he's doing it? He's doing it right in the church. The church is more than a building, right? The church, the thing that is of value in the church It's not what we can offer or don't offer. It's not what we are listening to as much. It's not um, the building itself. It's each other. Because what he's doing is he wants to establish a certain amount of equality amongst us. An equality that's built off of people giving of themselves for the sake of someone else. Now, before I get into the text, I just remind you. One of my favorite theologians, Dallas Willard, gave us the definition of love. He said, love is the disposition to bring good into the object that is loved. If everybody understood that, what would marriages look like? What would our relationships look like and what would our relationships with our enemies look like? It would start to change things. And so we gather together, it seems, we'll find in this text, so that we can bring love to each other. So I'm going to read chapter 11, verse 17 to 34. Bear with me. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together It is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? We should highlight that. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick. I'm going to pause for a second. You're probably thinking, well, I wonder if that's why his voice is bad, right? He's been sinning. Well, I'm not saying I've been perfect, but we'll come back to that, okay? And a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning, With regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is Christians gather together to practice love for the church over self-love. This is astounding. Because you remember what I said, most of us are used to growing up in this take and withhold society. You know, it's, it, and it's, it's so interesting Because sometimes when we start to make a new relationship with someone, Dallas Willard also points out, he says, sometimes we don't know what to do with that person. So we decide we're either going to attack or withdraw from that person. So what we're doing when we gather together is we're being melded together by the Holy Spirit because God is trying to establish this relationship with us And so when we come together and we're all gathered in one spot, it's not about as much of what you're going to hear from the speaker. It's not about as much as what you're going to hear from the music. It was great today by the way. I enjoyed it. I love it every Sunday. But it's more about us coming together with people who are different. You know, When Paul wrote this, a lot of these people were having dinners in their homes. They were house churches. And so the people who had a lot, they had these special dining areas. And what they would do, they would invite the people who were upstanding citizens in the community to come and especially eat with them. You better believe this type of thinking is taking place in God's church today. My favorite story is when I was telling you all, we had a man that I was working out with. And he said to me one day, I feel like God wants me to come to your church. I said, well, we've got room for you, brother. We'd love to have you. He was helping coach at Clemson. You know what he told me? I can't. I feel like it's better for my career if I go to New Spring. Nothing against New Spring. When you unpack what someone says when they say something like that, that means they're taking part in practicing self-love instead of loving the church the Lord is trying to place you in. I don't think I'm misinterpreting this. Because when we come together, I'm going to be with people who may get under my skin. You may be thinking, I know a pastor that gets under my skin, right? But this is where we come together because I'm intentional and you're intentional about loving each other. So what it sounds like is that it's not as much about trying to drive up the attendance as it is trying to develop this new people that God wants to develop. After all, if we don't show people how we love each other how is the world ever going to get healthy again unless someone shows them? We practice loving the church, the people inside the church, over loving ourselves. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Christians gather together to proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes again. So this is interesting. Remember what I said? The children of Israel were going to Canaan, and what God was doing is he was saving them out of a life of slavery. And within that life of slavery, remember what I said? You know, people could walk up, and I'm just, I'm speculating from what the word says, if they saw a Hebrew male baby, they were to throw him in the Nile and drown him. So these people that were being treated this way because they were the bottom of society, God said, I'm going to take them into the promised land where if they worship me and serve me, this kind of thing won't happen. And so when they get to the promised land, what God would say is, I want you to celebrate these feasts. And when you celebrate these feasts, I want you to take a moment and remember that until I saved you, you weren't equal with anybody else because people didn't think your life was worth anything. I want you to teach your children and the people that comes after us that you remember what it was like to be a slave in Egypt. You remember what it was like to be a foreigner. Because if you remember, then I know for a fact when somebody who is of lower class comes, they'll be treated right in the nation of Israel. When someone comes from another country and they want to live like you're living, you're going to embrace that. Because you remember So when we Christians get together, when we celebrate communion and we receive communion, we are actually called to take a moment and remember who we really are before Jesus saved us. Because when we remember who we really are before Jesus saved us, it's kind of like remembering that we, too, were in need of help from the Lord. That we, too, were at the same place that these other people were. If I, I'm just going to throw this out there. If this would have been practiced in my presence when I was a kid, I don't think I would have hated church so much. Is it okay to say that? if Christians were not looking down on me and my mom, if they didn't realize how poor we were and somehow it reminded us that we were poor, that we didn't belong, I honestly believe there would have been a better chance for us both to maybe get involved at some point in church. You know, one of the observations I made one time We were in Helen, Georgia, my wife and I, and we were driving along and I said, I think we should go to church. We were on vacation. I know you probably think I go to church when I'm on vacation. Not all the time, okay? So I can, maybe that's why I'm sick. Um, But hopefully confessing this will help me talk a little better, right? But we were going to go to church, and I'll never forget, there was a church on the left, and it was a small church, and it looked very legalistic. I said, we've got jeans on. We're not going to go there. So we kept driving. Finally, we got into where there was a straight shot for a few miles. We could see up the road. There was this huge church, and we had that little 2011 Chevy Cruise. I don't know if any of you remember it. It was junk, man. It was bad. But we were in that black Chevy Cruise, and I remember driving along and the closer we got, I remember, now don't misunderstand, but I want to show you something. It's okay to have things, all right? But I want to show you something. There was all of these expensive vehicles in the parking lot. And the longer we kept looking at it, the more I talked myself out of going because I didn't feel like I belonged with that group of people. Now, they could have been a dynamite church. My goal to tell you that wasn't so that we'd feel guilty about having things, but so that we could empathize with people who don't have anything, and we can remind ourselves when I take communion that I never had anything until Jesus saved me because I was in need of his grace, which then establishes a certain amount of equality with not only you, but people who are lost and without Jesus in this world. And so when we come together, what we're doing, and you've heard me say this, what we're doing is we're actually becoming the foretaste of heaven. Where if someone comes into our building, if they experience those of us who are proclaiming the death and the resurrection of the Lord until he comes again, what they're going to experience is a people who are not necessarily trying to remove the speck in their neighbor's eye but of people who are well aware of the plank in our eye. Y'all see what I'm saying? Because this is going to open the door and remind people when they see us together living in a way where we love each other intentionally, this reminds them that there is a contrast in the way of life in this world. And in that contrast, if I serve these other gods, you remember that meat sacrifice to idols? If I serve these other gods, it's probably gonna be driven by take and withhold, attack and withdraw. Whereas if I serve Jesus Christ, he's the one who's establishing equality among people. In fact, it almost sounds like Acts chapter two when they had everything in common, they all sold their possessions so that they could give to those who had need. Because when we get to heaven, nobody's going to be more important than the other person, right? But Jesus. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Christians gather together to take part in self-examination to be saved. Now, I always make a stink of this, and you know this is one of the reasons why I do. But I look at salvation as I'm being saved. Whereas the way we refer to it very often is, I got saved, past tense, right? I went to the altar January 15th, you know, 1985, I used to hear people say that to me, where I'm being transformed because we gather together. I'm being transformed when I have the right idea about what's going on in my life. When I see myself in the right light, I'm being transformed by that grace that I recognize that I need. And when I'm together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm taking part in self-examination, which sometimes isn't very fun because I see when I take communion, for instance, even when I'm going to serve it to you all, I have things popping into my mind where maybe I didn't love someone enough. Maybe I didn't feel the right way about someone that I should have. That's when I recognize, because of the Holy Spirit bringing to my remembrance, that I have work that needs to be done by God's grace inside of me. So I'm reminded when we're together that I'm examining myself with the Holy Spirit's help. Now, sometimes people don't take communion because they think they're not living good enough. None of us are, okay? None of us are. In fact, if you think that, you're not far from God's kingdom. But those who think that they are good enough to take communion, we gotta reevaluate because it's a hard thing. How do I feel about my God and my neighbors? How do I feel about my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? Remember I said highlight that? Because if I love myself more than them, I'll be able to tell by saying, I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm glad that I'm not living like this person, or this person is always wrong, whatever it may be, I'm going to realize in that moment that I'm taking communion wrongly. And here's what I want to say to you. Did you hear the warning? There's a warning passage in here. Now, listen to me close. I don't think I'm being judged by God because I'm sick, okay? Maybe that's why God wanted me to have the raspy voice this morning. I don't know. Who knows? But apparently, people were becoming sick and falling asleep because of the way they continued to live in a society where they look down on people where they continue to live in that way of life where we attack or withhold or where we or we take you you know what i'm saying or or we just did, we tried to avoid people cuz we didn't like them paul is saying to this church in Corinth. I know chapter 12 is coming. He's saying to them, you think you're so special, right? And some of you who may have the gift of prophecy, you may think that those guys look amazing. But they're no more amazing than the person who has the gift of prayer. He's saying, be careful how you look at your brothers and sisters in church. Be careful. It fits, doesn't it? Why not rather be wrong for the sake of Christ? Remember that? Love others more than yourself. Think of them more important than yourself. Remember that? Now he says, see the equality that you're all in need of grace. And see that you have a love for each other and for your God. You might be somebody this morning that's thinking, man, I've not heard this stuff. I don't think you have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't know. But I know one thing. It's at church where I learned to love people consistently. I say it all the time. I can go to Engels. And I can be good for 20 minutes. I'm not going to see these people every day. I can look holy in angles. But those of you who know me, you already know my flaws, you know my shortcomings, and I can't hide them from you. But I suspect you receive me and love me anyway. If you've not heard this before, it's because I don't think we're teaching it enough. If you're somebody who thinks that you practice enough love for the church because you do things for the church. But what do you do for the people that are around you? Do you love them? Do you embrace them? Do you try to lift them up above you, or even into equality with you, if you're not doing this, this is where you're needing help from the Holy Spirit. If you're somebody that's saying, you know, I don't understand the communion, it's just something I do, I'm telling you right now, this is what reminds us. It should remind you how lost we are without Jesus. How lost we are without each other. And it reminds me of the kingdom that is still to come fully when God himself and his son returns to this earth. He's here, but you know what I'm saying. When he will be our king forevermore, the way we love each other now is going to be how we love each other then. And if you're not doing self-examination to try to, Be more loving. It's not about looking more holy, okay? Not trying to be good, but to think rightly about Jesus and those you go to church with and those you don't go to church with. To think rightly about people of another race and people of another class. If you're not doing this, please do it. Please do it. There's probably a kid and his mom out there somewhere that needs someone to do this. And who knows what that kid will ever be. You know, if I think if we could get this down, I really believe we would see less church splits. We would see less splits in the home. We would see less splits with people we live in our communities with. We would actually begin to build people up instead of tear them down. And I think Jesus would be glorified to the point where people would want to come to Jesus Christ. And by the way, once I saw that in Scripture, where people were treated the right way in God's kingdom, do you realize that's why I gave my heart to Jesus? It wasn't because I was afraid of something It was because I wanted to live the way Jesus says we can. So right now, with all heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're falling short, if there's someone that you struggle to get along with, maybe even in this building with you right now, Would you ask the Lord to change your heart towards this person? Don't ask God to change the person. Ask God to change you. If you're harboring things against people, ask God to change that. This is the grace that God wants to give us. A grace that transforms. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're amazed at what you're trying to do with us, Lord, when we gather together. Lord, I'm afraid we've missed the point too often. But I pray, Father, that if there's anybody within the sound of my voice struggles with anything I've said, would you use the Holy Spirit and persuade them to read it for themselves. And change us, Lord, so that we can become more like your children because this is what a loving father does. He disciplines us to save us. Help us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God's people said.